What's up, Nets world? You know what it is, the Believe in Nets podcast. We're back on the Believe Podcast Network, your one-stop shop for everything happening across the sports and entertainment world. I'm your host, Eric Slater, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for ClutchPoints.com. And ladies and gentlemen, the Nets just keep winning. We're recapping another Brooklyn dub, 112-100 over the Washington Wizards. That's their fourth straight and 11th in 14 games. The Nets are on a complete tear, now sit just a half game back of third place in the Eastern Conference behind the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going to dive right into this game against Washington. going to talk about the defense first, because to me, that's really the story of this Nets performance. The Nets only shot 29.6% from three themselves in this game. And over the last two, three seasons, we've seen it with this Nets team. When they shoot that poorly, more times than not, it's a loss. And they won this game and not only won it, but won it handedly. And I, to me, that's really just a testament to their defensive performance. You know, it started off looking a little shoddy against the Washington Wizards team without Bradley Beal that the Nets were, I think, five and a half point favorites again, really expecting the Nets to take care of business. And it's not what you wanted to see early on in the opening minutes against the Washington team defensively. There were some leaks, some open paths to the rim. One play, they left Kyle Kuzma wide open for a corner three on a miscommunication. He drained it. He's great uh, Nets trade target that I'm going to talk about in coming weeks. But right after that play, Jock Vaughn calls a timeout. And that's something that I've really loved. And I think most Nets fans have loved about Jock Vaughn throughout his tenure as head coach now is something that we didn't see from Steve Nash. When you see these miscommunications, these open paths to the rim, these leaving wide open three-point shooters on the perimeter. It's quick timeouts. It's shutting that down right away, and it's refocusing the team to the task at hand and letting them know this cannot happen. What happened on that play? Why did that happen? And how are we going to prevent that going forward to finish out this game? And that's something that I just think it's a really good, it's a really impressive thing that Jacques Vaughn continues to do in a subtle skill of his that really we didn't see with Steve Nash over the last two plus seasons. But, you know, from that point on, they tightened it up defensively. They held Washington to 45 points in the second half. They forced them into 19 turnovers. Obviously, as I said, no Bradley Beal. Kristaps Porzingis came out hot. Nets did a good job adjusting, and then he eventually got hurt and exited in the fourth quarter. But just the overall engagement down the stretch, we've seen the Nets let bad teams come back far too often. We've seen the Nets let inferior offensive opponents get going. And, you know, guys like KD, Kyrie, we've heard them say it. These teams may be shorthanded, but they're still pros. And on any given night, these guys can get going. And you, you know, if you allow them to, and it had the look early on that this might be a game that the Nets do what we've seen them do in the past over the few weeks, over, you know, against some of these inferior opponents, but they quickly shut it down with the help of Jock Vaughn, with the help of Kyrie Irving, Yuta Watanabe, Kevin Durant, some really great defensive performances, Ben Simmons. I'm going to get to all of that, but now, you know, going to the offensive side of the ball, I really want to start with Kyrie from this one. The Nets got really nice contributions from the entire starting five, and KD finished with the game high, but Kyrie really came out and set the tone early. 24 points, six rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks, seven to 17 shooting, three of 10 from three, but 20 first half points on seven of 12 shooting for Kyrie, and he really had it working early, and he really was the catalyst 
in the first half when the Nets actually got down because of some lapses, as I touched on earlier. He was the guy who got it going, had a four-point play when the Nets were trailing by, I think, four or five in the second quarter. Right after that, followed it up with a crossover, step-back jumper, and one. Got that to go to put the Nets back in front. And he just really had it working and was working within the flow of the offense, wasn't trying to do too much, and was getting to his spots and getting off really efficient looks had one beautiful play where he drove in, gave it a little show with the ball, you know, dipped it under, finished with the finger roll, faked out the, de- the defense completely. It was beautiful. Had some nice connections with Ben Simmons. So a really impressive first half performance offensively from Kyrie that allowed them to build the lead that they would honestly not look back from in the second half. And also the more important Part of this performance that I really want to touch on is the energy and engagement defensively for Kyrie, because this was a two-way performance for Kyrie Irving and something that, you know, Kyrie has the talent, the skills I touched on on this podcast to be a solid defender, at least on ball. He has his struggles off ball, gets lost sometimes, but to, you know, in that game against Washington, it was really an all-around defensive effort. Kyrie on the ball, shutting it down, off the ball, being engaged, being in better positioning, not having these miscommunications with his teammates, helping out on the glass, rebounding, diving for loose balls. You know, he drew some praise from Jock Vaughn for diving, I think, three rows into the crowd in the fourth quarter while they were up for a, up by 11 trying to save a loose ball. Just that type of effort, that type of engagement is something that you see with Kyrie where you know that he's in a good place and he's really just invested in what's going on with the team. And, you know, this Kyrie performance, he, he fizzled out a little bit in the second half, but he came out with that energy and it really propelled the Nets to this victory. And Kyrie's been playing extremely well lately. And, you know, as we know, he's staying out of the headlines, which is just nice to see. I mean, I'm a, I'm a beat reporter for the team. I'm covering most games and I see Kyrie. I'm asking him questions. I'm in these press conferences and his press conferences have become extremely dull. And you know what? Some people might not like that, but if you're a Nets fan, that's exactly what you want to see because he's making it a point to keep the focus on basketball. And he had one answer, one soundbite that I thought really stood out to me after the game. So just going to play that real quick right now. Man, let's just go win ball games. That's it. That's that's really what the attitude is. Let's go win ball games. We 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 know the talent we have. This is our group. No more excuses. No more distractions. You know what I mean? No more uh, just throwing in kind of these like uh, surprise injuries, you know, we just want everybody to be healthy, everybody to have fun coming in and, um, you know, playing their game. So that moves into exactly what you're saying and what you've been seeing with Kyrie, no distractions. That's the line that really stood out to me because obviously we know, you know, whatever your opinion of Kyrie, there's been a lot of distractions over the last two plus seasons. And that hasn't been the case over this recent successful stretch. And Kyrie's not only staying out of these headlines off the court, but leading with example on the court. I mean, over his last six games, 27 points, six rebounds, 5.3 assists, 48% shooting, just doing it all. And honestly, his defensive performance and defensive engagement, as I said, has taken a step up over this recent stretch for the most part. So that's great to see from Kyrie Irving. And you just like to see him continue on this trajectory, continue being the steadying force and really propelling the Nets to the heights that you thought that they would be able to get to earlier in the season. And the number one guy who's going to allow them, who has been and is going to continue to allow them to get to those heights is Kevin Durant. 30 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 11 of 17 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3. And What's unbelievable about KD, and I've talked about it over the last two plus seasons for Nets fans, is that 
It's easy to almost become accustomed to and numb to his greatness with how consistently, especially to start this season. This is one of the best starts to a season in KD's career at 34 years old while shouldering at points an enormous burden as the team's lone go-to scoring. But as I just said, 39-6, and 11 for, 11 for 17 from the field, that's becoming a normal stat line. The efficiency that he's scoring with is just off the charts. There's no wasted movements. He doesn't have to take an exorbitant amount of shots to get to these numbers. He's doing it within the flow of the offense. He's often doing it as an off-ball guy, just getting the ball into the mid-post, letting people work off of him, getting to his spots, then sometimes getting it up top, being able to drive, penetrate, making the right pass, You know, getting off these easy attempts from that patented 10-foot jumper that it seems like he just never misses. misses. So you know, these types of efforts from KD are really just it, it's, it gives you the confidence that if the Nets can put the pieces together, if everybody can fit around to maybe they make a move or two, which I think they will later on, to try to push themselves closer into that contender status, it gives you the confidence that they can be in that group because they have a guy like this who can get to these spots, can be a just just a surge of a force on offense consistently allowing him to get to these, you know, open looks. So great to see from Kevin Durant. He continues to do it. And then on defense, he's really been early in the, he has his moments. I've, I've touched on where he's had, he has a game from time to time where he doesn't look insanely engaged on the defensive end. And that's, completely 100% to be expected with how much he's doing on offense. But for the majority of the season, he has been above average defensively and really has come into his own as a shot blocker and a secondary rim protector rotating from the weak side on some of these plays. So that's great to see from KD. He's doing it on both ends and he's the guy that really continues to just inspire confidence that this Nets team can reach new heights later on in the season. Moving on through that starting five, Ben Simmons, coming back for his second game since returning from that calf strain. 10 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 of 9 shooting. Nothing spectacular, but an overall solid performance from Ben today or Monday. Played really tough defense, provided a nice presence on the boards, pushed the pace off of rebounds and off of also off of made baskets, which I really like because sometimes Ben will he'll pull the ball out of the net or whoever's under the net will pull the ball out, get it to Ben. He's pushing it up the floor and it's not a fast break, but he's allowed to catch the defense napping or off guard, you know, getting back off that made basket. And there's one big play in the second half where he gets it to KD off that. He catches them off guard. KD blows by his defender and it's an and one. And those are the kinds of things that Ben can do within this offense. And it's not, it's nothing huge. It's just his ability to push the ball up the floor with his speed, get into maybe the teeth of the defense and be able to find people with those guys napping. It's a really nice skill of his had a few nice plays, you know, struggled with the touch a little bit, but still five and nine shooting Had one nice play early in the game. Uh, I think it was the first quarter might've been the third or fourth play of the game where had a beautiful stop on Christoph's Porzingis said he wanted to take him forced a really bad jumper, grabbed the rebound himself, went coast to coast, finished with the left hand off glass, had another play where I think he got a rebound or maybe collected a loose ball or a pass under the basket. looked like he was kind of stuck, but stepped through off a nice pivot and finished with his right hand, had a nice connection with Kyrie Irving, as I said, on a couple of passes. So a good night from Ben Simmons. He's obviously still working his way back from that calf strain and getting back to his normal set. But I thought he looked really good physically. And I thought the confidence level and the, the, you know, the, aggressiveness and physicality on defense really was there for the most part. So good night for Ben keeping on through the starting five. Joe Harris 
really solid Joe Harris performance and honestly a different kind of performance than underrating underrated 11 points on five of nine shooting just one of three from three but the defense in this one from Joe who's having one of the better defensive seasons of his career whether you believe that or not Nets Twitter it is true he's having a pretty good defensive season and he continues to do it in this one he was all over the place on defense had a nice steal went coast to coast in the second half um, in the third quarter offensively caught a nice pass from KD in the corner off a secondary break and drilled the three so you know, just doing what you would want from him at this point. It wasn't a crazy number of three-point attempts. They didn't need that with how they were getting inside with what they were doing defensively. But Joe, a big part of that defensive attack, getting to his spots, you know, making the making plays on offense within the flow of the game, and also just, you know, providing some presence in the passing lanes on defense to get some of those steals. So nice performance from him. Nick Claxton rounding it out. 9.7 rebounds, two blocks. 404 from the field was a game high plus 22. Really nice performance from Nick Claxton as well. Similar to Joe and similar to Ben. Nothing crazy. Was in some early foul trouble, but got back into the game late. Was a presence on the board. Got two offensive rebounds. Was a presence on defense near the rim. Did a good job covering on the perimeter. As we see him continue to do, I'm going to keep harping on it, but a massive part of this Nets team is, at least defensively, is Nick Claxton's ability to switch onto the perimeter regardless of who it is. He he can guard some of the better. I mean, nobody can guard the best players in the league, but he can challenge the better players in the league much more than any other big, I, I feel confident saying, can at this point. So when you get him against the Washington team and, you know, not the best scorers, especially with Bradley Beal out, did a nice job on Christoph's Porzingis after Por Porzingis got going in that first quarter and also went onto the perimeter, shut some of these guys down. So really good performance from Claxton and really good performance from that whole starting five. Now going to the bench, the Nets got some really good run from some of these guys. Two players really stuck out to me. The first is TJ Warren, 12 points, four rebounds, three assists, six of 10 shooting, played 19 minutes and just another really solid performance from TJ. And the more that, I mean, I, I thought this was going to be the case, but obviously with him taking two seasons fully off, nearly just four games in the last two seasons, you have concerns about where he's going to be at physically. And what's inspiring about these performances as of late is you can see that TJ Warren does not have his legs under him. When he's going to the basket, when he's going on the break, had one play where he was up on the break, looked like he could, you know, normally would go up and dunk this, but didn't have it, ended up passing to Edmund Sumner late for a layup. But it's just some of these plays where he's going to the basket, all of his scoring is coming from putbacks or coming from mid-range jumpers. He doesn't have the lift going to the basket, and I think that that's going to get there just as a product of him playing and getting his legs stronger. So the fact that he's able to turn in these kind of performances is really encouraging encouraging, you know, just based on the fact that he's not where he's going to be at physically, but really had his mid-range game working, can get to these spots and has a really feathery touch from some of those, had a nice offensive rebound for a putback, and his defense continues to be much better than I thought it was going to be at this point in his return. I was I was excited about what TJ could be as a defender because we saw him take some strides there in his last two seasons with Indiana, but I didn't think early on that he was going to be where he's at. He's had some really, really nice defensive possessions against, you know, Jason Tatum. He shut down um, in the post completely, you know, locked him up. 
Um, who else? Scotty Barnes in his debut did that too. Completely overwhelmed him, led him into, I think he shot an air ball. Uh, I think picked Trey Young's pocket up top on the perimeter. Just we're seeing him go head to head when he gets switched onto some of these players and just do a great job and overwhelm some of the better scorers in the league. And then just being in the right spot, providing some extra size, extra length. Really like what I'm seeing from TJ there. And he's coming off a performance against Atlanta where he played 21 minutes, the most he has in his five games, shot six of eight from the field at 14 points, three assists, two rebounds. So TJ just turning in some really good run for the Nets. And I think that he's going to be a big, big piece down the stretch for this team that you can insert into some of these bigger lineups. We saw the Nets roll out with a lineup. I think it was Kyrie, TJ, Utah, KD, Claxon. That's four guys in the lineup that are 6'9 or above or 6'8 and above. I think TJ 6'8 have really great length, really above average athleticism, can switch everywhere. So if you're able to play those kinds of lineups, you may not be able to offensively against every team, but it's a switch up that allows you to be extremely long, extremely active, close passing lanes, close driving lanes, r- protected the rim against offenses, which is something we saw the Nets struggle to do in a big way last season against you know some teams that had talented scorers. So TJ, secondary scoring option, really good effort on the offensive glass, really good engagement on defense. So everything that he's bringing with that 6'8 frame, I really, really like for this Nets team. And I said two players on the bench. The second is Utah Watanabe. Utah the shooter wasn't much of a shooter in this game, and you wouldn't know it if you looked at the stats, but he made a huge impact, but only two points, two rebounds, one assist, one block, one steal, one of six shooting, missed his only three-point attempt. But what's impressive is his ability to make that impact while only scoring two points. And a testament, you know, that's a testament to his defense. Everything that Utah does on the defensive end is becoming a big part of this Nets team. His off-ball positioning is fantastic. His his activity stunting in passing lanes, stunting on digs, his active hands when he's on the ball, all of it is going a long way into shutting down opposing offenses. And the BPM, the box plus minus, reflects his impact. He was a plus 13 best on the bench despite scoring only two points, as I said, had some turnovers late in this one. But what is really important to understand about Utah, and I think it might be overlooked sometimes, when you're providing the energy that he does, and he has been great offensively for the majority of the season, maybe still leading the three-point, uh, the league in three-point shooting. He was at 57.1% before he returned from injury. But as I was saying, what I think is overlooked sometimes is the energy that he brings the defensive stops that he can generate when he's off the ball or on the ball, just based on his activity and really affecting things within the flow of an offense, you know, that's you're not scoring points, but you're saving sports. That's that's a form of scoring almost because you're generating transition opportunities with your energy, with steals, with blocks, with offensive rebounds, whatever you're doing. And you're also preventing the other team from scoring because you're so active and you're able to disrupt some of what they're doing. And Utah did it from the first game he played with the Nets and he continues to do it every time he's on the floor. So that's what's encouraging about Utah because, you know, some of the sentiment may have been, oh, you know, Watanabe shooting 57.1% from three, but, you know, he's a career 34% three-point shooter. This isn't sustainable, you know, whatever. And I, I always believe that to be true. His shooting is going to regress back to the mean, but what he's doing on defense, just purely on effort and athleticism alone, that is 100% sustainable. And that 
if he continues to shoot respectively from three, which it seems like he will, is a huge part of this Nets team moving forward. And I really think that Utah has cemented himself in this Nets rotation. And I really look forward to seeing what he can do in an expanded role, getting an opportunity with the Nets team that he did not get in Toronto over the last two seasons. Moving on through the bench, Cam Thomas struggled in this one, but I want to start by talking about what he did Saturday against Indiana. And we're going to get more into that win and what it meant later. But a career high 33 points on 13 of 20 shooting, three of three from three, scored 21 points on eight of 11 shooting in the fourth quarter to overcome a nine point deficit and lift the Nets to that improbable win. And it was the Cam Thomas show down the stretch. And this is the kind of game that we know Cam can thrive in. We saw him do it in the 30-point comeback against the Knicks last season at the Garden where he hit that step-back dagger three that it looked like he took from Soho, for God's sakes. But you know his microwave scoring ability off the bench can be reserved for times like this. And what he did in that Indiana game was just great in the sense that it shows that he has this ability and he has an asset to his game. That, you know, if not important to the Nets, may be important to some other teams around the league in some later trade scenarios. So, but it was it was just really nice to see him after some struggles to see him get going and uh you know bring the Nets to a win like that. And I don't want to take anything away from what Cam did. It was incredible. But then we moved to Monday and Cam is back as a role player in a completely different role. And as great as Cam was against Indiana, he has not shown an understanding of how to play in that complementary role. Five points, two assists. One of five shooting in 19 minutes in the win over Washington. And when you look at role players and what the Nets want, particularly in the backcourt, really from anyone, but especially in a uh, in a guard, if you're not an elite distributor, as Cam isn't, you want defense and three-point shooting, the two top skills needed, and they're just not there for Cam. I mean, we've seen it. Jock Vaughn's really made it a point to try to get him some run. They got to try to mix him in with the rotation with some of the starters. And we're seeing time and time again, the ball makes its way to Cam on the perimeter sometimes, a lot of the time in the corner. And he refuses to take these threes. He's extremely hesitant. He's not a good three-point shooter, but he'll pump fake. He'll drive. He'll force it into the mid-range. And it's either a tough shot or it leads to a reset. And those are the shots where when you're in a complimentary role uh, you know, surrounding KD, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, you need to take those open threes. And if you're not going to, you really can't be in the game, especially when you don't provide much on defense the way that Cam Thomas doesn't. I mean, we saw Washington, their game plan at the end of quarters throughout a lot of the moments of the, this game was to just get Cam up top and ISO him against their better ball handlers. And, you know, Cam didn't do a great job holding up there because it's not his strong suit. So, you know, the game against Indiana really shows what Cam's good at. And it's his microwave scoring, his ability when he just gets to take over to get into the defense, to hit some of those floaters, to make things happen. But that's not the role that he's playing with this Nets team. And it's the reason, you know, the top reason that I think that he might be a really realistic trade candidate for this team down the line. So, you know, Cam continues to struggle in that complimentary role, but nice to get him out there against Indiana, let him have a big moment and let him really build up some of his trade value, it seems like, moving forward. Uh, keeping on, Seth Curry continues to struggle Three points, two rebounds, one steal, one of seven shooting, one of six from three, played 22 minutes. Obviously not a great performance from Seth, and Seth has had some extended struggles as of late. I'm not sure how much of that is attributed to 
You know, I attributed it early on in past weeks to playing some bigger, more athletic longs teams. We saw what happened against Boston, but also maybe just some fatigue and trying to work back from that ankle surgery. It's still really early on in the season, even though it might feel like years have gone by with everything that went on with this net squad. But if you look at Seth's, you know, after that 29 performance and 29 point performance against Portland, you look at his last uh, seven performances and it's three points, two points, four points zero points, went off for 20 against Charlotte, had 11 against uh, Atlanta, you know, went three of eight from the field, did some nice things there, and then three points again against Washington. So, you know, it's tough for him to consistently get going, to consistently generate his own shot. You know, he's been hot and cold from three. And Seth, I think, you know, he has value on this team in the sense that he is one of the only secondary shot graders, especially late in the shot clock that the Nets have outside of uh, KD and Kyrie. He can get the ball. He can cross over. He can step back. He can find his own shot when he needs to. You know, albeit it's going to become as a jump shot most of the time. So that's a valuable asset in itself. But he, you know, we see what he is on the defensive end. And it's it's tough for Seth if he's not hitting his three ball to make an impact. So hopefully he just gets it going from there and has more of a rhythm as he continues to work back from that ankle surgery moving forward. And then, you know, finishing the bench with uh, Markeith Morris and Edmund Sumner. Uh, Markeith only played six minutes, did a great job against Indiana, as I'm going to touch on in a minute. Had two points, one of two from the field, two rebounds. You know, didn't play much, was a plus four, did fine in this game, but really, you know, played a big role in that win over Indiana, especially down the stretch. Edmund Sumner played 12 minutes. This wasn't his best game. Two of four from the field, four points, uh, one rebound, two assists. One steal, two turnovers, so not a bad game. Saw a rough stretch in the second quarter where he tried to force a little bit and had a couple of bad turnovers, but you know, limited minutes after turning in a good performance and a heavy workload against Indiana. So that rounds it out. It's a really good win for the Nets to take care of business against an inferior team, and this is a win that you know, con- contrary from prior wins over bad teams, it really felt like the Nets held Washington at an arm's length once they took the lead. And it really never felt like Washington was a legitimate threat to take that lead. So, you know, real positive from the Nets there. And just touching on the Indiana win and what it meant for this Nets team. You know, first I gave props to uh, Cam, obviously, want to just, you know, shout out Sumner, scored 18 points in the first quarter, fizzled out down the stretch, had a couple of bad fouls. But you know, did a great job with, you know, in his return to Indiana early on of really giving the Nets some belief and giving them an early lead that they could work off of for the rest of the game. And just touched on Markeith, his leadership down the stretch. Him and Patty played a huge role, you know, as the veterans being the steadying force in that win down the stretch. We saw Patty obviously made a bunch of big plays. Utah Watanabe grabs an offensive rebound, kicks it out to Patty in the final minutes. Patty drains the three to put the Nets up four. Utah also then grabs an offensive rebound on the Nets next offensive possession and laid it in. So Utah, another guy I got a shout out. It was it was a you know great performances across the board. When Patty hits that three, extends the lead to four, then gets a swing from Cam Thomas, drives in, hits a floater, you know, got to the free throw line late, hit his free throw. So just did a good job of being the guy that the Nets could have when they know that they needed something to happen, when they needed something to be set up offensively, that he could really be that guy to start that. Markeith, as I said, made two big plays. I saw that maybe don't show up in the stat sheet, but were really huge. The first was an inbounds play where it looked like the Nets had nothing going, and he kind of just heaved a baseball 
ball pass into the backcourt, but it was calculated because he saw that Edmund Sumner had the angle and he threw it kind of into the back corner where Sumner could run it down. So Sumner runs that down. They retain possession there. Then in the final minutes, they're trying to break a pet a press. They're really close to a 10 second violation. It works it to Marquis in the middle of the backcourt and he fires the go ahead pass. Really good pass to get it across and the net Patty ends up getting fouled. So there's just two veteran plays and you know it's it's what Markeith is out there to do to be that guy that when the Nets need something to be done similar to Patty in those spots and those pressure moments it's why he's taking the ball out of bounds he's a guy who can make those plays so you know, really great effort from him there. And last guy I just want to touch on is Dayron Sharp. You know, Dayron turned in a great performance in this game. And it was really nice to see because obviously Dayron has struggled. He's fallen out of the rotation. And there's been a lot of talk on Nets Twitter that, you know, very critical of Dayron. I get it. He hasn't played well, but this isn't a guy that is just going to be, you know, doesn't have any promise. The Nets might include him as a filler in a trade. The Nets might, you know, whatever. I've seen people say that the Nets could just cut him, which I never understood. But, you know, this is a guy who has some skills. He has the ability to offer something just based off of what he can do with his size, with his frame, with his rebounding ability, with his finishing and the pick and roll, with his, you know, rim protection at times. He really can offer something. And you saw it in this game from Dayron. Uh, 20 points, 8 of 13 shooting, 9 offensive rebounds, 12 rebounds total, 1 assist, 2 blocks. I mean, he's making an impact across the board, and he's a guy that really can, once he gets a little bit more um, a little more run and a little more seasoning can have the ability to find these spots better, to use his frame and use his skill set, which is there to impact the game in a variety of ways. I mean, we've seen him struggle a little bit with some catches, you know, the hands, you know, they were better in his rookie season. I think maybe it's just being a little nervous, getting used to a new system, Ben Simmons in there some of the time. And he's really just done. He did a great job in that game of showing how he can dominate the glass and how he can make an impact just strictly based off of his size, his strength and his motor. So really nice to see from Dayron. But the biggest thing I wanted to talk about with this Indiana win is what it means for the Nets, because Kevin Durant was asked about this win after the um, after the win over Washington because he wasn't with the team for the win over Indiana. So it was the first chance that he had to comment on the win uh, against uh, against Indiana was after the Washington game. And, you know, this is significant to me because if you listen to Kevin Durant, when he talked about requesting a trade after media day, he said that a big reason why he requested the trade was the habits and the resolve and the complacency, I would say, of the supporting cast when he was out midway through last season and the Nets went on that 11-game losing streak. He didn't feel that the Nets were doing what they needed to do. And he said he thought that they were losing games that they could have easily won. And I have that sound bite, so I'm just going to play it for you real quick here. I didn't like the fact that it's like, well, when KD come back, I was just like, well, I get it. I know I can affect the game so much, but like, what about these other guys that got an opportunity to, you know, maybe showcase what they can do, but also help the team in a different way. So when I come back, I can jump on their train and help them, you know, instead of them, you know, adapting to me again. So I just felt like that's what great teams do. You know, I've been a part of some great groups and regardless of me being in that lineup or out or guy, just not just me, any guy being in out the lineup to try and keep going, you know? So I felt like we could have did that better. So you hear there, Kevin, you know, a big reason that he wanted out was he was frustrated with the complimentary pieces, with their complacency in those moments and them not being held accountable, whether that's by themselves, by the coaching staff, whatever, just not doing what they needed to get done. And he said, you know, 
we were winning some, we're losing some games that we could have won. This is a game that I don't think anybody thought they could win, but the Nets did. And those complimentary pieces said, KD's at Cam Thomas said it after the game. You know, we knew who was out. We didn't care. We're here to play ball. And the Nets got down by 14 points in the second half. They got down by nine in the fourth quarter. They didn't care. They were clutched. They were composed. They made the plays needed to grab a really big win for the Nets, regardless of who was out. Eight top eight rotation players out against an Indiana team that's been no pushover this season. And they said, you know what? We don't care. We got players on this bench. We've got guys who've done it in spots. We're going to go out and we're going to win that game. And that's exactly what they did. And Katie was asked about it after Washington. And this is what he had to say. That game was just incredible. They Indiana made a lot of shots, um, but we, we weathered the storm and we stayed poised. And that's the type of team, you know, you want to be on. Um, regardless of what's going on around you, everybody stay in focus and stand and you know, to the mission. And I think you know we was able to the game was able to turn for its last game. So that was key. You give guys confidence coming off the bench. Guys that don't play as much, but they still got confidence uh, from playing games like that. It was it was huge for us. So you just hear the tone shift from KD there, and I think it's emblematic of a number of things that are changing for the Nets this season that KD said he wanted to change. And I think a big part of that is obviously some new guys have come in. The biggest thing I would say is Jock Vaughn coming in as head coach and really changing the tune. I mean, Kyrie said it after the game in Washington. Jock's become a guy who, if you're not playing hard, he's going to let you know about it. So that's you know great to hear. And also just these complimentary guys really buying into a system and being held accountable for their actions as a basketball player and their habits, something that KD said he really wanted to change heading into the season. It appears it has, and it shows in a game like that game against Indiana, like this game against Washington where the Nets go 11 deep. They're a deeper team with guys who are all engaged, all ready to contribute. And that's really just what KD wanted was, you know, KD said he knows how great he is. Obviously he's a confident guy, but it doesn't all have to be on me. There doesn't have to be this over-reliance. We can have guys that if they're here and if they're engaged and if they were practicing the way we should, everybody has a chance to contribute. And that's just something that I think you really saw in that Indiana game, obviously, and even into this Washington game. And it, it sounds like Katie's happy right now. Obviously, you know, why wouldn't he be? The Nets are winning, but just bigger picture. It sounds like Katie really likes what the Nets have building here and likes some of what he's seeing just from how the team is functioning on a day-to-day basis. So that's great to see. You know, Nets 17 and 12, it is half game back of third place in the East behind Cleveland. So Nets really starting to make some headway over this recent stretch. And they have some winnable games, you know, still coming up. They, They took down Washington. They have Toronto and Detroit to close out the week. So those are two very winnable games. We've already seen the Nets beat Toronto three times. Can they beat them a fourth? You know, tough to do, but Detroit... Just lost Cade Cunningham for the season. So you get two wins there. You're at 19 and 12. And then we head into a stretch that could really be, you know, a good test for where this Nets team is at when they have Milwaukee, they have Cleveland, and then they have Atlanta. So three games after that two-game stretch to really see where the Nets are at. If they can go into that 19 and 12, possibly even in third place, it's a good litmus test similar to that Boston game to see can they do this and step it up against a much better opponent. So really excited to see how that plays out. That does it for this episode. Hope you guys really enjoyed the breakdown of Washington and also what that Indiana win meant. Hopefully we get some good Nets performances moving forward. Really love where this team is going. You can follow me at Eric Slater underscore on Twitter. All my articles coming out on clutchpoints.com for news, updates, analysis, injuries, everything going on with the Nets. You can see that there. This does it for Believe in Nets, Believe Podcast Network. I'll be back soon. Appreciate you guys for listening.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.